Hello, we're the Sticky Bomb Boys. I'm David. And I'm not. Welcome back to the podcast. It is all changed for us this week. Yes, for the first time, we're going back in time to last year's series. And as ever, they started with Cake Week, a Bake Off classic. We do love cakes here at Sticky Bun Boys. In many ways. So whether you've watched the episode with us or whether you're just along for the ride, let's dive in. After these ads, of course. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I actually really enjoyed watching last year's uh, series. It felt very different because we know what happened. So it felt like there was less, well, less, we just talked about Jeopardy last week. There was no Jeopardy. It was just quite relaxing. Yeah, but did you also forget some things? I actually did forget quite a lot. So right. I, I, it was, I kind of generally knew who won. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but I did actually forget who went out in the first couple of weeks. Uh, no, famously, I do know that kind of stuff. I like to know. I actually did know that Giuseppe won this series, the entire series by mistake. Yeah, I know you did. And I found out because of elena even though i told her every single time we had a phone call yeah. please don't tell me and then one time she just told me but it's hard once you've done bake off you end up just finding out we don't want to know but people just tell you it ends up just coming out in in conversation to people you know you just know too many people you know too much i have to say it was really hard anyway when even with our series that time where you've finished filming and it's not come to transmission yet i told people all the time without even meaning to like i kept on saying Silly things like basically I'd say to people, just don't have a conversation with me about Bake Off because yeah. it will come out. Because you're hard the entire time <laughs> post Bake Off. Sure. Great. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly on uh, to last year's. So we've never talked about on Sticky Bun Boys, the weird intros that they do before the opening credits. And this one was like, don't break my tart, my icky breaky tart. And I was bizarrely attracted to Prue Leith and Amala. <laughs> Prue was good. Paul, I cannot believe it's like the production team do him the dirty every single time like, he looked awful but bless him he goes for it yeah he really he does. does it i mean i feel like always i ignore the intros because i'm just like i'm just wishing it wasn't happening for every single time oh see i actually like that i'm one of those geeky people that actually quite like those intros and oh, it gets me really, really excited ready for the show because then is that it's quite noisy and a bit hectic and then it goes straight into the like the gentle music but it like, didn't Ooh. because it went straight into a trailer for the series where they were like here's all the bakes you're going to look forward to it's true and i don't like that bit because my brain remembers them and it's really annoying so for example i think they showed the koala bread that gets made in bread week and then as soon as george will then be like oh i'm making a koala bread this week there's no jeopardy because i'm like well i know it looks good because I've seen in the trailer from week one. Yeah, they must have, for people watching it the first time, most people, it must just wash over them and they don't remember. It mustn't be a thing. But, but you're when not you're like, re-watching... You're not like most people. Is that what you're saying, David? I'm not like most people. You're <laughs> definitely not like most people. 
So, not Welford Park. This not was one Welford of the ones Park. I totally forgotten that. And I was like, oh, there's something that was a bit discordant to me. And I was like, oh, it's because the tent's in a different place. Discordant. Like it. It's 9.14 in the morning and using big words <laughs> with three syllables. Well done, you. Uh, yes, they were in a bubble when yeah. they were filming this one. And they actually filmed this differently, didn't they? Because it was normally you film at the weekends and go home in the week. Generally, it's the general rule. It was a bit different for this year. But when it was in bubbles, it was two days on, two days off, two days on, two days off. So they yeah. keep referring to the practice tent because basically... When you go home, you can practice in your own kitchen. But when they're in the bubble, they had the filming tent where they filmed for two days, which is one challenge or one week, sorry. And then they had two days of practicing in a practice tent just next door. Which I always found interesting because people said what like people said, oh, that's harsh. That's mm. like uh, they're at a disadvantage. But for me, I had actual weeks where my work was so intense when I had gone home because yeah. there's a travel and then you're at home for five days but my work was so intense I didn't actually get to do some practicing so actually for me I would have quite liked the two days uh, two days filming two days off but then there's the whole thing of having your support there's no family, emotional friends. support yeah right. you're, like the bakers you're on emotional support and some of them are saboteurs saboteurs <laughs> so, but when we were filming Michelle, Elena and I didn't get to go home the night of filming we had to stay in the hotel an extra night and go home the following day so we got even less time when we were filming because oh, we lived so... so far away yeah. so yeah you're absolutely right in terms of the time and also practicing in a practice tent means you're practicing under the same conditions that you're going to bake whereas yeah. when we're practicing in our kitchens we're practicing with our stuff whereas when you're in the bake-off tent like it's even the measuring spoons are different yeah, i ended and, up stealing the measuring spoons from week one so that i could practice with the same spoons and washing up people don't realize it. it's actually really hard to practice a showstopper for example because you don't have the space the equipment mm. and there's not people washing up so it's hard to do the actual timings to know okay did this take me four and a half hours exactly or not I, yeah you just made me think as well for people that come from scotland for example mm. if you're up in inverness then traveling back after you've stayed at the hotel <laughs> That is a long journey. Do you remember Michelle used to get, used to take absolutely hours to get home. And then I know Tom Hetherington from years, years gone, years gone by. They actually filmed his series in black and white. Um, <laughs> but he, he had to travel up and down from Scotland. He had to fly to and fro. And that makes it even harder to take your own equipment with you because you can't yeah. even bring in your own tins because you can't transport them. Like there were lots of other logistics, but also in the practice tent, you can share knowledge between bakers a bit yes. more easily which is really nice i mean yeah. the producers probably hate it but it, it means you can help each other a little bit more which if, you, if you're so inclined i know some bakers are less inclined i think at the end of the day for me i would have quite enjoyed because we were quite a close group the majority of us i would have quite liked staying in the hotel doing two days on two days yeah. off get it done i find it very stressful going home each week, waking up ridiculously early just to try and finish my work day and then cram baking in in my kitchen that was a mess. And I got to the point where I wasn't practicing because I also just couldn't face it mentally. Whereas I think in a practice tent, I would have caused chaos and let someone else tidy and up. And everyone else is there doing it with you. Yeah, I agree. I think I would have loved doing a practice tent vibe because of what our series was like. But if it wasn't our series... I'm not sure. And also I famously needed a lot of emotional support. So That's, I would have got some energy because basically as you're crying and weeping in the corner, that would have actually given me energy to be like, yes, you do. On, you feed off misery. That is famously your thing. We should probably talk about the episode. Yes, because um, it was good. I really, really I enjoyed really it. I really enjoyed it. Let's talk about these challenges being brilliant again. So the signature was 12 decorative mini rolls in two hours. Full stop. I don't think we've said a challenge with that few words in the last 11 episodes. What a brilliant challenge. Brilliant challenge because once again, it's a signature. 
you could do this at home, yet it's a little bit tricky. It's a bit of a challenge for you, but you can do it. The point of a signature is this is my signature spin on this thing. I do this all the time, in the words of self-esteem. Very good song, that, actually. Um, a really good challenge. A bit more challenging than a big Swiss roll, because you have to do the kind of, you have to be delicate and precise and a tight swirl. You've got to keep it really tight. But brilliant, I thought. Really great. Yeah, and it's one of those ones that is, as we've been talking about, it's very different when you're practicing at home and then suddenly in the tent. Like the sponge with a different oven and different tins and things, like the tiniest difference in kind of underbaking or overbaking can have a big impact. So there is some jeopardy without them having to try and right, force exactly. it in with giving them 30 seconds to do it. Exactly. Like trying to get it tight without getting a crack is going to be very difficult um, for, for many of them, I think. We haven't gone through the bakers this year, but we'll probably just talk about them as and when they come up. You'll remember um, as we talk about them. Talking of coming up, Jigs, ooh, trade of the season, wasn't he? Oh, totally. He's got like a really, really neat hair parting it's like he does it with a ruler in the morning he's got very good teeth as well i know and i do actually like his salt and pepper like i like mm -hmm. he's not young he's in his 40s i think Jim, is he? isn't he yeah oh, i looks, don't know looks very um, good but in, the youngest in the tent is freya this year who is a vegan for the first time ever on bake off and she did a really really good job this challenge she was doing well i don't know what she was doing i didn't write it down she was doing <laughs> oh do you know what? i actually i've written down she was doing dairy free because she was vegan and she's from scarborough that's all i've written that well, doesn't I, help i, I wrote the... down she was born in 2002 which is the same year year as the first spider-man film came out and ah. the same year as avril lavigne released skater boy oh wow she really is young but i don't know what she made in the tent um christelle made the one that i wanted to eat the most which was cardamom coconut and chai sponge with a jaggery buttercream iconic We're on exactly the same level here i mean the thing is it kind of brings in the lamington type thing with the coconut on the edge mm. but i never really thought coconut and chai like chai in itself is delicious add coconut that kind of perfumed fragrance Yes, And then Christelle. also like a jaggery buttercream as well. It's going to be like, it's a kind of an unrefined sugar. It's almost, not molasses, but molasses-esque. It's going to be delicious. That. Yeah, she was actually one of my favourites through the season. And now I'm realising it probably started in the first challenge. <laughs> it probably did. She, I think she was a dark horse this whole series. Giuseppe's, so they were almond and orange with a ricotta filling. And they just looked like it'd be in a patisserie window. They were I just I mean, stunning. go home, Giuseppe. As if like, they looked totally professional. Like, how did he do that? as a first challenge in the Bake Off tent. We knew he was going to win from the beginning, wasn't he, really? We're looking at those. Absolutely iconic. The other ones I wanted to mention was George, who swore before he was even introduced. We didn't even hear his name and we got a swear from him, which was lovely. A sign of things to come. <laughs> and he did make a platter of cow plats, didn't he, really? Cow plats? Cow pats. Cow pats. A platter of cow plats. Gale plats. Uh... <laughs> I really, really liked, my favourite bit of the whole first challenge was Matt singing the Flintstones in German to Jürgen and then Jürgen just being not very impressed. Jürgen was waiting for it to end, wasn't <laughs> yeah. he? Jürgen, by the way, just so you know, when I was on Bake Off, there was one of my recipes that had rhubarb in it and every single time I wrote a message to Michael, I'd spell it differently. And then Michael started calling it rhubarbaba because I said, because I used to spell it so badly. Jürgen is that for me. Every single time I write his name, I just try a different spelling. I, I don't know it. It's just J-U with the dots, R-G-E-N. Oh, see, this one is J-E-U-R-G-A-N. It's nice that you tried though, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't um, really try, did I? Chicks' name also to correct to chips every time I write it, but that's where we are. Jürgen, I thoroughly enjoyed that whole Matt Flintstones thing. And he kind of stared at him, then there was a pause and he went... I don't know the text. <laughs> <laughs> that was really nice. Um, but actually, Noel ate some of Jürgen's bake, which means that it must have been a good one because Noel doesn't normally eat. Noel doesn't eat anything in the tent, really. No, but don't. if he ate that one, it means it was very good. Um, Lizzie had some massive seepage. Maggie, oh, the seepage was massive. Her seepage was huge. Seeping's a horrible word, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Makes you think of a wound. 
and Maggie, who is, this was a year before Imelda Staunton took over the Queen in the Crown, um, but Maggie is the preview of that, Dame Maggie. She didn't do very well. She was decapitating chocolate angels, bless her. Um, but she did say, if they're mini, you've got to get them really tight. Which is true. Words to live by. I mean, basically this one, they all did reasonably well. Yes, you had seepage and you had some cowpats and you had some cow people... Pats, please trying quite hard to corrupt the cracks. But in general, they all had a really good shot at it. And I didn't... Yes, there was some obvious tops, Giuseppe, mm. Christelle. But it was... It, no one really had, like, the total disasters of her first challenge. Yeah, but Christelle's also going to be versed. You can tell she's going to be bottoming soon. Surely. Surely. <laughs> I do think you're right. This challenge actually was a really good example of a good Bake Off challenge because it was achievable in the time because you got those exquisite bakes but also there were the disasters because it was complex enough that innately there were going to be some disasters and there definitely were. So the technical challenge was a malt loaf with homemade butter. They love doing butter now. So Steph in our year made homemade butter with her hot cross buns and they've been doing it every single year since. I mean, it's easy to make, but they've stolen the idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a nicer compliment and like you say, easy to do, so it works well. And they do have to get their ideas from somewhere. So right. why not use the bakers? And also making butter is very easy. You can do it at home all the time. It's very simple. You just whip your cream until it splits and then you kind of strain it. But it also means that you can flavour your butters. So if you want to put like, if you want to make like a sweet like, Oh, I don't know, like almond butter. You just put some almond extract into the cream before you whip it, then you get like an almond butter. And that water you get afterwards, you can actually use to make your bread. Buttermilk, isn't it? Yeah, is it buttermilk? is buttermilk, but the stuff you buy in the shop is a lot thicker. This is this is good for making bread, but you won't necessarily be able to use it for all your recipes for buttermilk. Sure, I mean, I don't make any recipes with buttermilk, but that's fine. Um, so this malt, malt loaf, they had two hours. Actually, once they made this, I went and bought all the ingredients and made one myself because I love a malt loaf. And I proved Prue wrong because she says those of you under 35 may never have heard of this. No, never have heard of this. Malt loaf is one of my favourites. It's I'm the simple. Same. I make malt loaf really regularly. It's, yeah, serene is a different thing though. Everyone knows the serene malt loaf. Which is not the same. Those people in America, it's a malt loaf, but it's really thick and sticky. Basically, and... you know how when you're baking a loaf, you don't want to get, well, you want to get a dome on top. You don't want to get a dip. Serene is a brand of malt loaves in the UK and they seem to like have lent into the dip. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like it isn't baked. And I think some people... Make, like a lot of people, that's the only thing they know of as malt loaf. So yeah. some people might have thought it needed to be quite claggy and sticky. Yeah, actually, it's quite a good challenge because they had to try not to get that dip in the middle. And that's all about baking, right? Everything everything in the oven will rise. But then it's making sure when it comes out, it doesn't sink again, which is what they wanted to avoid. Yeah, malt loaf it was a good challenge for a technical because it is that thing of deciding how long to bake it for because it is a very, very wet mixture. It takes a long time. They did add the butter and then the candied peel was obviously oh. added to fill that time of yeah. it just sitting in the oven. I didn't like the candied peel. It, it would not be nice on malt loaf and it didn't even look good. No, it looked terrible. But then also you're right, it's an hour long of, of having to fill time. But then I also think actually give them nothing to do in that time because yeah. then they're going to panic and then they're going to take it out early and then you might get your disasters if you're going to look for jeopardy. Like it wasn't necessary. And for the edit, there's loads of ones. Every time there's the showstopper for bread, there's loads of times where people are sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. You just have to do that. And there's enough bakers. They've got all 12 of them this week. There was no need to fill the time. But yeah. I mean, on a whole, it was a really, really good challenge. I enjoyed Chigs covering himself in treacle. Top tip, if you run your spoon under some boiling water, then it'll just slip right off. Oh, nice. When he was doing his skewer, he was very happy that it came out totally clean. Totally. Should always come out totally clean. Mm, well, yeah, sure. sometimes accidents can happen. Like with Christelle, it got cream right in her eye. 
which can happen, happens to all of us. George bizarrely was brushing his bottom with a glaze, which is lovely in many scenarios. I'm not sure this was precisely the one. I don't think you want a sticky bottom, did you? I mean, I would like it sticky all the way around. Maybe not the bottom, but... Not sticky all the way around? Yeah. Just on the, the top and sides? Top and sides, Top and yeah. sides, but not the bottom. <laughs> I really liked with this one, Lizzie. I mean, Lizzie. Who was kidnapped oh, by an goodness. ostrich Exactly. She, <laughs> she is already, first of all, totally totally iconic but you know in that first week you can already see like Christelle's talking you can see the edges the nerves in their kind of mouth and their face as they twitch Lizzie is just so relaxed and she's already giving just as good as she gets from Noel but she's also doing a maxi where whenever she gets talked to by anybody she just steps away from her bench <laughs> yeah, she just does, removes yeah. herself from her bench <laughs> she already says I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time and then she just like steps back yeah, and starts I'm running chatting. out of time but there was also this one time when I was a child and I was kidnapped by an ostrich and it ran away from me and Noel's and she's out bizarre Noel Noel's yeah. like what is happening never happened before she's nattering away and eventually it's like come on Lizzie <laughs> you need to back to the bake back, but I mean she's very good judging wise they all seem to be pretty much the same they said they had a good colour with the right amount of tension chewiness and an even distribution of fruit and they said all those words in a different order 12 times because even the bottom who was Amanda this time wasn't bad. No. Uh, Prue did say that one of them was sticking to every bit of her mouth. Oh. I mean, this thing. is malt loaf. It is meant to be quite sticky. Yes, indeed. So bottom was Amanda. Third was George. Second was Freya. And first was Dame Maggie. Very Maggie. good. Very good. She knows what she's doing, does Maggie. I, mean, I that, love Maggie. That might be the first time she's top in anything. Yeah, I think <laughs> she's, uh, she does bottom quite intensely. But so everyone, really... you can't have a top without a bottom. It's true. And this was a very traditional recipe. And as we find out about Maggie, everything she likes to do is traditional. So it was good that she starred on this one. seaside themed. Let's move on to her seaside theme then. So the showstopper was a gravity defying illusion cake. And they had four hours. I think, again, a really, really good challenge. Yeah, very, very good. It gives people a really good time to like, like they were all different. Like I was surprised it wasn't just loads of the same cake. Some mm. of the structures were quite similar, but I don't agree. I The one thing I didn't like about this bake was that so many people, and do you know what? I would have done the same thing, but I'm still going to criticize it, was the mugs. Oh, something yes. Something suspended, pouring yeah. something onto a cake. That's not gravity defying. I want the cake to be the top and then for it to taper down to the bottom, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking in my head of certain ones, like Christelle's bouquet, right? Uh, Jürgen's lamp. Like there was one, and the wave. I thought Amanda was quite clever thinking of a wave, because that was, I mean, she could have had it curling over more, but that was gravity defying. And also Giuseppe's, which looked like it came directly out of Etsy. Like, it was absolutely brilliant. The problem with Giuseppe's, though, the thing that there wasn't, it was such a strong structure that his was on. It was like he just made a cake and put it on a cake board. So Giuseppe so that, did like uh, a beanstalk going into a cloud and then the cloud was kind of elevated and the beanstalk was sort of supporting it. But like, yeah, yeah it was basically just on a cake stand, but it was defying gravity. It was and it looked really impressive. So like, that's a safe way to do it. But I was kind of looking forward to the ones more that had a bit more jeopardy to them, like that could tip. Like his was just a solid cake stand. Yeah. Um, I actually controversially didn't think Jürgen's was that good. He had the book and then a lamp coming around because some people he's an engineer or whatever he is physicist like some people spend a lot of time getting all the extras and like, i famously didn't even bring my own plates in i would just ask the bake-off yeah. stuff like what plates have you got at the side so like he'd made an effort with that but i think other people's were a bit better than you it was like a, it was like a light looking onto a book and actually chuck wrote into us this week saying that um 
how many people could possibly say it's a model of the first book I read in English cover to cover? And someone said, what book is that? And he said, Thomas More's Utopia. <laughs> of course. Very Jürgen. Of course, very Jürgen. I thought that um, I loved Christelle's. The fact that she called it a boo cake instead of a boo K was very smart. Although I did read that as boo khaki when, um, <laughs> <laughs> when I just read it out there. Uh, but very good punning, very good punning. And it was also completely different to everybody else's, which I thought was really good. Christelle's was my number one. Absolutely brilliant. I also enjoyed Chig's who said to Giuseppe at the end, he went, Giuseppe, you've got some skill, dude, man. Which was very like teacher trying to get on level with year nines. Wasn't and also it? very Abdul. Very, very Abdul. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they were both crews from, uh, was it Cruz? That big tortoise. That, I mean, I got it wrong every week and yeah. everyone still emailed me out to tell me what it was. Send some more emails, please, until Michael gets this. <laughs> the tortoise from Finding Nemo. Right. And Freya, an honourable mention for Freya. I can't remember what, oh, it was like, it was floral like, scene. Floral scene. It was like a basket of flowers above some flowers but underneath. vegan cakes are often a lot more unstable because they don't have the proteins from the eggs and things like that. And she managed to make that look really good and managed to stay up, basically. Yeah. Um, Amanda had the disaster where her wave fell, but that was after judging because yeah. Paul had taken out a massive wedge at a really weird angle that would make sure it obviously was going to fall. Where it was, I mean, you, it was hard to imagine that it would even stay up for that long. So it was actually quite good that it took her all the way back to her bench and then collapsed. Right. But they did complain with hers because I thought hers was very clever, but... Hers wasn't the gravity-defying cake because the top part of hers, the bit that was hanging over, was actually the Rice Krispie stuff that people do. Yeah, the Rice Krispie stuff feels like a cheat to me. But generally, I think everybody succeeded across this one. Apart oh, from, no, apart from Tom, who d- didn't do the brief. To be fair, though, that was one of those hard ones where the food producers should have given a little bit more direction. It's as if they wanted one to be, oh, this isn't the brief so they could talk about it. Jaisino, though, wow, that was terrible. Like As he was rolling, you were thinking... You should know as you start this that that's not going to work. It needed to be a lot tighter. It, looked, it was very slack and sloppy. Right? No one wants a slack spiral, as we've spoken about earlier. He needed to really like... And it was oozing and slipping and it was... Oh, <laughs> He needed to clench it a bit. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't nice to really watch. dig your fingers in and tighten it as much as you possibly can. Oh, bless him. But he if did... If anyone hasn't done the watch along for this one, that's going to be quite a funny description. <laughs> tighter, just I know, tighter. Like he needed to get it really, fingers in and really tighten it off. But he was never going to manage really. I don't think that kind of cake is stable enough in the amount of time that he had to make it stand up as he wanted it to. No, I mean, that's a, quite a well-known cake. It's in one of Otolenghi's books. Yeah. I'll always reference. It's a really smart, it's a really smart idea. I just yeah. think not this one. But I think the fact that he was trying something so difficult i think is what saved him over but tom it, who did something quite yeah. simple and didn't quite manage to give it but then it was his still was never going to be anti-gravity properly either to me i was more frustrated i thought jaisino's was really quite bad sure well um <laughs> rashika's also wasn't great rashika's apple did get split down the middle again sometimes a nice thing to happen but not when you're in a tent and you're making a cake um but i thought overall like she was gravity defying like, it was hanging that was gravity yeah, defying. There, was a, there was a lot of structure and it did come together because at one point you thought it wasn't gonna actually work at all no so we've already talked about who went home yes the bottom of the week was tom tom who owns a um, model railway business so tom went off track he ran out of steam etc etc oh, but the top yeah. of the week was Jürgen, who looks a little bit like Winnie the Pooh. Oh, he does. Or like Mole from Wind in the Willows. And has the same kind of demeanour as well. Right. So he yeah. toddled back off to the 100 Acre Wood, a happy little Jürgen. I'm going to throw a con- tron- controversy here, a Michael. Controversy. A controversy. Con- uh, sure. Because I actually think Christelle should have won and Jaisina should have gone home. Well, fuck your drag to say no. 
that was a really good series opener, actually. Thank you. This is our 12th episode, though, so thank you for noticing. Uh, yes, some really good challenges on there this year. Now, remember, if you want extra content, including more of our thoughts on the episodes, along with tea and tales from the tent, and if you want to help keep this podcast going, then please join our only plans over at patreon.com forward strokes to keep on, boys. Right, on to this week's taste test. This one comes from someone whose username is Lost Among the Found, who says that peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches are actually really tasty. Well, I have an immediate answer for you on this one, but I will wait until after the ad break to tell you. Everyone at home, you've got 30 seconds. Are they correct or should they go straight to jail? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, Michael, I had a peanut butter sandwich for breakfast this morning. Did not put mayo on it. Am I wrong? Should I have tried it? No, you are not wrong. This sounds like absolute hell and they need to go straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect £200 immediately directly to jail. This sounds horrible. Yeah, I. the only th- reason why I'm a little bit reticent is because I always only like peanut butter. And for a long time, I refused to even have peanut butter and jam slash jelly if you're American. And then I tried it and I loved it. it so really I good. do want to try this. Peanut butter with Marmite. Yes, exactly. That's so there nice. are lots of good peanut butter combinations. So that's maybe we I like, should try I like it. a salty snack, famously. Right. We're going to try this before next week. But for now, we, we are staying in jail until the trial. By we, we do mean David, <laughs> because I'm not going to put that anywhere near my mouth. I'm, I'm going to do it with I'm... Japanese mayo. Ooh, I've got some Japanese home. mayo? Oh, yeah, it's really good. What's different? It's a little bit sweeter. What, what do they put sugar in it? I don't know. It's got it in a really nice bottle. I'll do bring you, know, you Do you know what is nice with butter? Nutella with butter. With peanut, We're talking about peanut butter. No, but I'm just, I've moved on from that. I don't <laughs> want to think about it anymore. Different um, sandwich combinations, but if everyone. But you, if you get... Yeah, Favourite sandwich. <laughs> uh, toast. But let the toast cool down. We'll talk about that in a minute. Not in a minute. I'm going to save that for a future taste test, actually. But toast and then salted butter 
and then Nutella on top of that. Oh, I think I'm actually nice. going to try that more than the peanut butter and mayo, to be honest. I'm not going to try the peanut butter and mayo at all. I <laughs> okay. think it's awful. Absolutely abhorrent behavior. Right. We're going to the inbox now, Michael. This first one is from Solana. And I'm not going to do this every time, but I am going to start off with the compliments because she did start off saying, first off, the compliments, brackets, which I know at least David will take time to read. I Hey, I read them. I just don't read them out because I don't need to self-congratulate as much as well, David Well, I'm does. just going to read all of this because <laughs> it is a really nice one, I have to say. This podcast is such a delight and it definitely extended and enriched my enjoyment of the new season of Bake Off every week. As a fellow baking queer who watches the show with our fellow queers, I'm really looking forward to your retrospective of previous seasons. We're here. We're here. Welcome. <laughs> In the words of my friend, this is like sports for people like us. Thank you for sharing your humour and hot takes with the world. Sports. It was like watching sports and it was the two of us watching it together in the same room because we were howling at television. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now for the phenomenon. After Michael's joke... Phenomenon? Last... Yeah, that's what she wrote. Sure. Phenomenon. After Michael's joke last week about Mike being someone who could bleed a radiator, if you all remember, I immediately went and conveyed said joke to my co-worker Mike, late 20s and straight. I hope I got some credit for the joke. Uh, I think so. I think sure. she definitely talked about it, yeah. And my other co-worker, Michael, 40s and gay. Oh. She had, she had the research ready. Right. We all work in Ikea and joke around at each other often. So luckily, no one was too scandalized by the explanation that came from a podcast called The Sticky Bun Boys. <laughs> so she did credit you. Um, anyway, not only did Michael agree that he couldn't bleed a radiator, he was also firmly against being called Mike at any stage in his life. Mm-hmm. And Mike, on the other hand, revealed that he had plans for the upcoming weekend to bleed radiators with his father, who is also called Mike, weirdly. So what she's saying is that, Michael, this phenomenon you alluded to is true. Bang on the money. Bang on the money. I've always thought I'd like to work in an Ikea, actually. Maybe the candle section would be lovely to work in. Have you seen that prank where they let someone into one of those Ikea kind of showrooms and then they close off the entrance with a door or like with a wall and they keep walking around in circles. Then they called the Ikea store to try and like find the way out. And they were like, oh, we'll, we'll try and work out what's going on. But in the meantime, are you hungry? And they were like, yeah. And then they all walked into a different room and then they removed the wall, put a pizza on the table and put the wall back. So they walked back into the living room and there was a pizza on the table and they were like, what is happening? Anyway, I, I was like that person here. once when I was a student, didn't have any money and didn't have a TV. We went to Ikea and just sat and watched the TV in one of the living <laughs> they have rooms. TVs in the living rooms? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, I love an Ikea. I love a meatball. <laughs> right. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> Blair. So this is from Blair. Blessing Claire. Blessing Claire. Uh, hi. What was it, what was it, she did? Oh, it's not very good for an audio medium, but it's the, the shiver. Shh. That, you know? Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, thank yeah. You, yeah. But Blair's different now, isn't it? She doesn't do the 1920s stuff. I don't follow her on social She's media. She's more like a pop star now. Anyway, this is not Blair St. Clair, probably. This is just Blair from America. But we don't know that for sure. Because Actually, Blair true. St. Clair is from America. And it is, yeah. Hi from America, Sticky Bum Boys. I absolutely love the podcast. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do that. I absolutely love the podcast. I'm so <laughs> thankful to have something to look forward to after the episode. <laughs> something I've been wondering for a few years now is, does everyone loathe Paul Hollywood after they leave the show? Is it like the old saying, never meet your heroes slash idols, not that he is mine, but the general sentiment remains. Bake Off is my comfort show since America is falling apart daily and we never know what's going to happen here next. But I could do without his dramatics. I think Paul makes the show. Yeah. Realistically, there is no real Bake Off without Paul Hollywood. And like, we tease him and we joke about him. But actually, like we were saying this earlier in the podcast, actually, he is game. He's up for a laugh. He's playing a character which he knows he's playing. You know he knows he's playing. Like, it's kind of like an unspoken thing that we know that he's not the person he's on television. Yeah, like, I genuinely, jokingly loathe him. I actually don't think, I mean, it's it's not really a secret to know that, like, a lot of people turn down the role. Because yeah. Bake Off wasn't a big show to start off with. It was a little pilot. And he was quite down the list to be picked as the baker for the judge. Mm. But he does know what he's talking about, generally. And we don't loathe him. It's like a funny thing. Like, in real life, 
like they do kind of put that on him as well to be like the bad guy he's yeah. not really like that in real no, life and like with someone like noel if noel is genuinely friends with paul which he is you know he's an all right guy obviously during filming he's a bit separate from you and yes there's sometimes that he might upset you and sometimes he doesn't quite understand that he's upsetting you genuinely and it's not just for television but overall he's a really nice guy and he's good yeah. at what he does i mean i will keep on coming after him as this podcast continues sure and his nails <laughs> oh yeah and his gnarly nails Okay, now here's the last one from Leah. Hi, David and Michael. I never thought I'd be one to watch a TV show and then listen to a podcast about it, but here I am. I've really enjoyed the podcast, so thanks for making it. First, on Sandro's naked ambition. I thought it was so interesting and funny that Sandro was rubbing David the wrong way with his competitiveness. I'm American, so one of the great charms and mysteries of Bake Off is how sweet and non-competitive everyone is. I actually found Sandro refreshing because even though he is the only contestant ever to admit he wanted a handshake, etc, etc, he does so in such a mild, cute sort of way. He can't be the only person who wants a handshake. He's just the only one who says it, right? Okay, making the key lime pie thing reeked a little bit of desperation, but still. I follow a lot of past Bake Off contestants on Instagram and read their comments on one another's posts. Think Giuseppe's post about his ugly face on a newspaper cover and Rahul commenting, you are a very handsome man, son, husband, father and friend. Rahul's comments are very, they're quite intense sometimes, aren't they? Yeah. He means well, but sometimes it's like, oh. He's been flirting with Sandra a lot, actually. I mean, he he probably thought he was the winner. Also, <laughs> also loved he. Always, Rahul always goes after the winners. Also loved Kevin tentatively recommending the podcast to his followers, knowing full well his mum's church friends who made him dress up as a hickory dickory dog would be scandalised. The best. I love <laughs> Kevin so much. I will always be a Kevin stan. He did send some messages um, on Steve Bumboy saying like, "I have decided I am finally going to recommend this to my followers, <laughs> even though a lot of them are church people." But church people doesn't mean they're prudes. It's not the same thing. No, Kevin certainly isn't. So do these cross season friendships really exist? Are there people who have met and befriended from different Bake Off seasons or more just an Instagram thing? No, genuinely, like, so I mentioned Tom Hetherington earlier in this episode. Tom and I are really, really close friends who become really close. Actually, during filming of Bake Off in our year, I was struggling quite a lot with her mental health, famously. And um, they put me in touch with Bryony from the year previous. And we've become really good friends. And I'm friends with Ruby and Christelle. And, like, we do make these connections, right? Yeah, it just, just depends. Like, people also do have very busy lives. And also, if they live in a different place, like, London's quite good because yeah. there's a lot of bakers who are just in London. And then also lots of people come to London for different events so you can you can meet up with people and there are certain bakers who are slightly more isolated because they live in different parts but in general yeah you do meet them you meet them at food festivals and it, you've got this shared experience that no one else really gets right so i met giuseppe for the first time like maybe a month ago and the fact that we were just walking around london and we immediately had things to talk about we were chatting we were gossiping i met janish i met james like we all just know that we, you just fall into a rhythm don't you it's really lovely the thing that is strange though is when you're on your season, like we know each other as Michael and David, the real Mike and David, uh, but people see an edited version. So like Bake Off Michael and Bake Off David are kind of characters. Like when I met Peter, I was expecting to meet Bake Off Peter. And I was like, oh no, I'm meeting Peter. Like Peter is very different to yeah. the Peter you meet on, you see on Bake Off. Sure. So you do get past that. But yeah, you've got a shared interest. You've probably got shared interest anyway, because you both applied for Bake Off. And you're not going to get on with everyone. There have definitely been times where I've met people at events. And it's Name kind of a bit crushing. names. No. But it's been crushing because like I loved them on the show. And then Dragged in them. real life, they were. I, I liked their character more than... I've decided it's John Waite. <laughs> I've not met John Way. Oh, wow. he's lovely. He's very sweet. But I don't know who's the first name that came to my mind. Who else could you hate? Um, I mean, there's loads of people I could hate. Oh. 
<laughs> Should we move on? They're not people I hate. They're just people that didn't meet them. They, I, I think I just liked their character more on Bake Off and uh-huh. what I made up in my head. Sure. And again, there's loads of folk we haven't met yet. But there's lots I'd like to meet and some perhaps I wouldn't. Oh, mystery. Ooh. A man of mystery. Right, we're going to keep this end bit tight this week. Oh, I love to keep my end bit tight. Behave, Michael. Please keep sending in your dating disasters, baking questions, and anything you want to chat about over at stickybumboys at gmail.com. And if you'd like to help support us and keep the podcast going, do join our OnlyFans for just the price of a coffee every month over on patreon.com forward stroke stickybunboys. We'll see you next week for Biscuit Week, and we'll see who snaps. What a horrible, horrible pun. You wrote it. You said it. We can argue about this later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ready for the boring bit? Let's go. The Sticky Bun Boys are not endorsed by or affiliated with Love Productions, The Great British Bake Off, or any of its subsidiaries. All views and opinions are our own. The Great British Bake Off and all related content are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Very professional, David. In one breath. (laughs) We're all just having a bit of fun, aren't we? (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.